This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Eric Barnes and Jack Frew. Hello and welcome to the Laravel News Podcast. I'm Eric Barnes. And I'm Jack Frew. So how are we doing today, Jack? Lots of lots of new stuff, right? We're doing good. Is this episode 17 already? Yeah, it's crazy. That's unbelievable. Uh, if you tuned in last week and the week before, you might notice that we had a little disruption to our schedule. We normally do this every two weeks. A week ago, episode 16 came out, and that was an interview with Taylor and with Adam about this new thing called Laravel Valet. So if you haven't checked that one out, definitely go back and hit that up. We'll talk about it again today. But that's the reason for kind of the change in schedule. And what we expect to do is from here forward, we're back to our every two week kind of thing. Yeah. So Laravel Valet, speaking of it, um, today it's already up to, man, I can't remember what version. Are they 1.2 now? Because they were like 1.1 the other day. No, no. It's like 1.9 maybe. Oh my goodness. The new thing today is you can... um, you can actually have a, a secure valet site, so you can run it over HTTPS, um, and somehow or other, it uses a thing called Caddy Server to to actually do that, which is kind of neat. But basically, you just go into your folder and um, to your shared folder, and you type valet secure, and then whatever folder it is you want to have the HTTPS on, and it's automatically done. So it's pretty sweet. I'm, I'm kind of like half thinking like by the time they're all done with this, it's going to look identical to MAMP. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But better. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. What is this new? I did read that they changed something. They're not serving it from PHP now. They're serving it from something else. So is that another component or how does that work? Do you know? So yeah, so it's it's called Caddy Server and basically that does all the serving. Is it similar to like Nginx or Apache? Is it like an actual web server product or this is a, an offshoot of PHP? I'm trying to see if it says. I, I can't find where it says actually how it works. Caddy, the HTTP2 web server with fully managed SSL, caddyserver.com. So this looks to me like it is a whole nother, like a third web server. Yeah, it could be. Because it's got rewrites, redirects, everything. But I, I think what it does is that you can actually install it through kind of like a binary through the install process of valet that way it's all automated and you don't actually have to go and download it or anything like that so it's all self-contained within valet okay well pretty awesome i mean bottom line i guess is that they've been really active on this valet thing i think they're really uh they really like the idea of it and it's gotten pretty good response from what i can tell yeah i've I've been using it um basically since you know since it first came out and and i still love it Uh, two weeks later it's still my my favorite so i'm i'm very happy about it so tell me, Eric, how, how has it changed anything that you do? Well, for me, I just I have a whole bunch of little stuff that I want to install and play around with and test. So by not having to go through the whole, you know, homestead setting up your uh, vhost and all that just to, to spin up a new test site um, just saves me a ton of time. Um, so that's kind of my big thing. And then, and then at work, I still, I still use Homestead for, uh, for all of our like long running work projects. Now here, here's my question, because it says it's saving you some time. Do you find that you're doing more as a result of the lowered barrier to entry? Yes, because I, whenever I would set up the vhost, it seems like I would actually not do it because I'm like, I'm, I was dreading doing that. So I just wouldn't set it up at all and not do anything. 
So, so now there's no, no excuse to uh, not spin it up and do whatever I was planning on doing in the first place. That's kind of what I saw as the biggest advantage was if you could um, lower that barrier to entry for these little test things that you'd want to try, like a package or something, right? Like, I don't want to put a package mm-hmm. on my main project and then have to worry about kind of trying to get it out of there later. Uh, but setting up a new one seemed like too much work. You know, which is silly, right? Yeah. I mean, like, how lazy are we as a society, right? Like, you know, we use remote controls from our couch instead of getting up to talk, touch the TV. And, like, we're talking <laughs> literally, like, what's what's the time savings? A minute or two, right? I mean, it's not like the other stuff took a long time to do. Um, you know, when, mm-hmm. when Homestead came out, people weren't, like, sitting there going, ah, oh, that'll never work. It takes two minutes, right? Like, uh, so it's it's kind of interesting, you know, human human nature, I think. But, yeah, pretty uh, pretty good time saver for sure. Yeah, and and two, you know, with it supporting all the other stuff like the uh, Statomic, WordPress, all these other you know CMSs and and other frameworks and all this other stuff, it makes it super nice to. So I've been playing around with Statomic, and you know I just throw it in that folder, and then boom, it's done. I don't have to to worry about anything because it actually had different ng nginx right. rules versus like a yeah that's true you'd have so, to, so yeah. then you'd have to fiddle around with yeah. all that stuff so yeah it's it saves even more time on something like that yeah i do remember that was that whole driver thing that we talked about yeah it's pretty neat um next up is laravel echo i guess it's an old thing but it's being reworked into a new thing is there any relation to the amazon echo no okay um so I actually taylor published a video last night so what echo does is it integrates uh like with uh pusher to have like real-time updates, you know, through the JavaScript and all that. You send out events through PHP, Pusher gets it, Pusher sends sends something back to your JavaScript, and then you do whatever you need to do, like update the site um, in real time. Yeah, and that's supposed to be really, really quick, right? Yeah, it is. It's, um, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think when I used Pusher last. I guess it's been about two years ago that, that I used it. But yeah, it's it's uh it's super fast. I mean, it's in the video he actually shows it in real time, and it's less than a second, I guess, for it to update. Yeah, I, I hear it's great for things like uh, chat apps if you were trying to build like a Slack competitor, which would yeah, chat apps or like for us at work, for we we do HelpSpot, which is a help desk application. So like whenever somebody is responding to a request that came in, and somebody else comes to look at that request, you can actually you know pop up. This person is also viewing. This person is also oh, editing. Nice. Yeah, and and that way you you kind of prevent the, any collisions or anything like that. And what would have been a way to do that before this stuff came about? Would you have had to have had like a timer script on your JavaScript that every like three seconds did an AJAX call to go back to the server to find out if something had mm-hmm. happened? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um. And and you know just kind of a constant running set timeout thing, and then it would just kind of update. And uh, yeah, it was it was a pain before, so this makes it super nice. And then when you're using this, is there just like some place where you put your functionality that you want to run when data arrives? Yeah, his demo was through uh, Vue.js, which I assume you could use it, you know, with any JavaScript. But um, but for it was just in a module, and then it just listened for whatever event and and come right through. Also on the news, maybe some unfortunate. I feel like it's unfortunate. This whole PHP framework interoperability group thing. Eric, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So that that's kind of been the the whole drama of the week is the PHP Fig group, which is is funny because, you know, they're not I guess ever since they first came out, it, it seems like they're always around drama. Yeah. Um but uh so this week uh it came about that one of the members was using bots to artificially inflate their download numbers on packages 
And um, and then basically it went through this whole thing of they they tried to 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 prove it was actually him, and they have some pretty substantial evidence. But uh, then it came to a vote um, whether they should, ex, you know, basically take him, take, off. A, yeah. Yeah, take him off the list. And from the last I've seen, that's not happening. Um, and then around the same time, a, a lot of big projects ended up leaving, like uh, Laravel left. It was like a, it was like watching a house of cards fall. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, so it was Laravel Doctrine. Uh, I can't remember the other ones, but yeah. So it was like. It was kind of like a snowball of everything happening all at one time. Yeah, I don't think the those left because of the controversy around that member. I think it was more of just not having time to to contribute. You know, I don't know if I uh, I agree with that. Only like I think the politically correct thing to say is, "Hey, sorry, I'm just not going to have time." But you know, the timing of it is oddly suspicious that it happened right around the same time, and by so many people. You know, yeah. I feel like we almost need to have a moment of silence. We won't because it's a podcast and that'd be boring to listen through. But I think this idea was a great idea. This PHP framework interoperability group, they they formed with this goal of all the frameworks kind of standardizing on certain things to make it easier for people to share and use different parts of different frameworks, right? And Laravel, we tend to think of as a, you know, we're using Laravel and that's it. But really Laravel itself is a, is a framework composed of other framework pieces, right? I mean, he's pulling in things from Composer all over the place. Um, so I think the work that they did in the beginning was really, really monumental and and very helpful, you know, right up there maybe with Composer in, in the sense of in making PHP viable. They did some great work. I was going to say, it, it made the way for Composer. The PSR 0 and 4 for the autoloading standard is, you know, kind of what made composer possible oh yeah so yeah i didn't i guess i didn't realize the order of things so yeah so those were kind of the core you know psrs that they first launched that were you know basically they changed the whole php ecosystem with that yeah um you know and then it was psr one and two with the coding standards and of course that one had tons of pushback because you know, you come into a community that's been around forever and say this is how you're supposed to be coding now right and uh, nobody likes that but uh but yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm kind of on the the fence of like maybe they've done done the good part and there's really no need for it anymore. I don't know. I can totally see that, right? They did. I think we all owe them a bunch of gratitude and respect for what has been done. And they brought a bunch of people together a while ago and it's had wonderful results for all of us, uh, both in terms of the availability of tools and how easy it is to bring these tools together, day-to-day use and things like that. But you're you're right in that uh, it felt like, you know, like trying to uh, squeeze the last bit of juice out of an orange when you've squeezed the orange, right, kind of thing. Like, I'm trying, there's probably a better uh, analogy than that. But, like, you know, they did probably, like, 95% of what they could do. And then at that point, it's like, is each new thing, like, are we just kind of nitpicking at that point? You know what I mean? Like, what what's really necessary? Um, so, I don't know. I, I uh, If you're on the fig or you ever were, uh, thank you for me, at least, because I think you guys did some great work, and hopefully you'll get all this kind of stuff sorted out. And you know, drama stinks. It, it, it's it, it seems like everywhere we go in the PHP world, there's drama of one sort or another, and, and this group has certainly had its share of it. Yeah, and then um, so yesterday, I believe it was the somebody else created a new community-driven uh, standards group called uh, PHP cds and uh their their idea was to be more community involved and let the community vote on things 
versus the way the PHP fig was uh, set up was basically the it's the framework authors, the CMS authors, you know, the people that are actually building stuff are the ones that are voting on the future of what, you know, what passes and what doesn't. There was it was really interesting because I when I was reading through the comments and stuff, one of the things I saw was that they were already before all this thing started to blow up, they were already talking about kind of trying to redo the bylaws of the this group. And one of the changes was that in the beginning, in order to be in this group, you you were supposed to have had a, I guess, a framework that had some significant user usage, meaning like they didn't want people who just, you know, just posted their first, you know, post to GitHub to be joining and kind of weighing in. They really, really wanted it for like, it was for the symphonies and the Laravels and the cake PHPs and the Yeast. Like it was for those kind of folks, right? Um, but this this new draft that they were working on basically said, you know, we're not going to have that as a requirement. It doesn't matter how many people somebody has. So the the whole idea that this person was getting, you know, kind of witch hunted and kicked out, like, like as one guy pointed out, they're like, I mean, in, in another month, we were going to have this done and it wouldn't have mattered. So like, why are we doing it? And then the other thing is I saw a post from uh, Paul Jones that said that, like, he found somebody who had said, look, the the false numbers, at least as far as the packages downloads, were our fault. And I don't know, you know, it's it gets to the point where it's like conspiracy theory, right? Like people, you know, you don't know who to believe, right? Are vitamins bad for you? Or are our vitamins good for you? That kind of stuff, right? But the the guy had come forward and said, we're really sorry. We didn't think this was going to blow up like this. I was trying to convince my boss to use it. And my boss didn't think that it was popular enough. So we just kind of did this little thing to like bump the numbers up and we've kind of forgot about it. And you know, that kind of stuff. So it's really, ah, gosh, it's such an interesting world we live in and all the drama and all that stuff. But uh, if nothing else, I, I, I did see some comments that the guy that, that they were kind of accusing, you know, people had said he was actually a pretty active member of the fig and had good feedback and good comments. And I think that's, that's unfortunate because this whole overshadowing of, you know, did he fake his numbers or didn't he or whatever, you know, there, underneath all this, there was a guy that, you know, maybe was trying to make things better, you know, maybe didn't go yeah. about it the right way. I don't know. But, um, you know, sometimes I think we lose, we lose track of things in society. Yeah. So. Well, well, you, you go to, to Reddit or one of those and it's always the mob justice coming out. So you, you know, just from an outsider, you don't really know exactly who to believe or what you not to believe. Right, so, right. you know, you just kind of, make up your own mind, I guess, by reading through it and, and kind of seeing where it goes. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate for the whole organization, really. I mean, it, it puts them all in a weird position, you know, that, that none of them signed up for. So next up is uh, uh, a, a new project called Creator Love by, I'm going to butcher his name too, it's Lee Tingum, maybe. Um, but so it's built on Laravel and Basically, what it's designed to do is make it an easy way for people to kind of give you money for kind of the open source stuff you create or the stuff you create. Um, so you create an account through, you know, it uses the Stripe OAuth and then it hooks up your Stripe account. And then at that point, you can kind of set pricing like, you know, somebody can buy you a cup of coffee for four dollars or you can kind of sell, um, which was what I think is kind of the best thing is um Companies can't really donate to open source because it's not tax deductible and all that stuff, but they can buy stuff from them. Hmm. Um, so he works around that by allowing you to create your own products to sell through here, and then it just comes right to you. So you could like a mug or something. Well, well, not like a physical product, but more like you know you get priority support oh, or okay. you get something like that, and then you know you can set a price of you know two hundred dollars on it, 
and then um, and then the companies can pay for that versus they couldn't just donate two hundred dollars to you. Makes sense. So so it it uh, it works it works pretty well, and then you get your own little um, you know creator page um, with all your little products on it and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's it seems pretty interesting, and it's uh, you know once the way it's designed is just to be simple. So you create your account, you add your link to your GitHub repo, and you know if somebody wants to to send you a few dollars, they can do it. Nice. So uh, kind of like a Patreon, but for developers, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. And of course, it's not limited to, you know, you can do it for like podcast or, you know, whatever you want. Oh, okay. Whatever you want. Yeah, thing. And he did yeah. this in Laravel, right? It is. Yes. The app itself was built in Laravel. And I think it came out last week. Um, I think we missed it in the last podcast. But uh, but yeah, it looks it looks pretty sweet. So if you want to if you are releasing stuff, you know, be sure and check that out. Awesome. So, so yeah, so another thing this week is uh, Taylor announced on Twitter that Laravel News, the uh, blog, is now going to be the kind of the official blog of Laravel. Um, and there's really going to be no changes there, but uh, the only difference is now blog.laravel.com is uh, forwarded over to the main Laravel News website. I think that's great news. I mean, you've done such a great job with that newsletter. It's one of the first things I turned to when I started with Laravel. Uh, so I think it's really neat that... Uh, that he's made it kind of an official thing for you. Yeah. So, so that, that's pretty neat. And, um, you know, like I said, there, there's really going to be no major changes that I foresee, you know, in the next few weeks, I have, uh, done a, done a survey, uh, you know, kind of asking people what they think of, of what I've been putting out so far. So I've got some good feedback and I'm going to go through all that. It was, it ended up being like 200 and something responses. Oh, wow. And, uh, and I use Google Forms for it because I was like, oh, that that'll probably work. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, I asked too many too many questions with you know not a multiple choice answer. Yeah. So so now I have two hundred uh, two hundred question two hundred answers to go through for each question. Oh wow. And uh, so that's not fun. But uh, I'm trying to let them get built, let yeah. it all build up, and well, then go through it all at one time. They say open ended questions are great though, so you know hopefully you'll get a lot of good feedback from that. In other news, how's everything else going? Like, do you have any other side projects going on? How's that .dev site been coming along for you? .dev's doing good. Eric, what about that other project you were working on? Uh, I think I got a PDF in the email from you. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so that was a um, a special Laravel news project. Um, I guess it's been about a year or two years ago. I have a little membership thing to kind of help, you know, grab a little bit of income from the site. Um, and everybody who donates... Uh, I put them in a, you know, in a special newsletter. And what I did was I created uh, what I call like a Laravel news journal, which uh, had uh, two or three articles and an interview and, and basically I packaged it up as a PDF or an EPUB and emailed it to all those, you know, just as a way of saying thanks. And um, so that was kind of a special one-off that uh, only, only the people that are actually supporting got a copy of it. That's cool. That's cool. On my side project side of things, I started a little book called Working with Forge Servers. I put up on LeanPub and, uh, you know, yay me, we're up to 25 readers now. So I'm pretty excited, but it's nice. actually not really like it's, it's, I think, 20 pages or something like that. It's a free PDF, so you can grab it. And the idea behind it was just to include little things that I didn't know how to do with basically like Ubuntu servers, right? When I started working mm-hmm. with it. And I actually added a little bit of it, uh, stuff to it this week. I added a thing on um, how to set up the swap file which was on my kind of to-do list, but I didn't actually have a chapter on it. 
Um, I did a few other little things with it. Now I'll continue to work on it until I get to a point where I feel like it's kind of done. One of the things I want to do is add a chapter on what part of the branch you should publish to GitHub for your project so that when it goes into Forge, it downloads and works correctly. Because the first time I did that, I, I used like the wrong, you know, the wrong part in the directory tree and it, it didn't work and things like that. Right. So, um, but I think, I feel like it's going to turn into a good resource when it's done. And if, if anybody's got suggestions for it, I'd love to hear it. Nice. Are you, are you publishing those articles anywhere else or just. No, just, it's just all going right into the book and then the book is free, but you can, you can pay 99 cents if you want to. And the idea there is I think uh, when you do a dollar lean pub gets like 65 cents and then I get like 20 cents. So like, I'm never going to make any money from it, but I figure at least if LeanPub gets a few bucks, then that kind of covers the cost of like what tiny amount of storage and bandwidth I'm consuming from them. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna I was gonna make the suggestion to uh, to publish them, publish the articles on a blog or somewhere too, and then and then have each one link back to the book. That way, you get the search engine. Oh, that's optimization a great and all yeah. that stuff, and and kind of you you know to drive a little bit more traffic to it. it. You know, like any project, this started out with the idea of oh, I could whip that out in an hour. And yeah. then, you know, here I am <laughs> months later. You know, we should probably get Adam back on the show because isn't Adam's writing a book right now? And I think he's run into that too, where it's like, you know, you, you have an idea for something, you think it's going to take a certain amount of time. And then, you know, before you know it, his, his book has gotten a little bit bigger and required more time and stuff like that. And, and Matt's run into the same thing. He's writing a book and, and all that stuff. And we've actually got a couple of book authors that I've been chatting with and you've chatted with a few too. I think we'd, we'd like to get them on the show at some point, get some interviews because yeah. uh, that whole process is really, it's fascinating for me. It's, it, it takes yeah, a long time. It, it does. It takes way longer than you realize. And it's, it's, I, I guess the right word is it's way harder than you realize, you know, because you're like, oh, yeah, this, I know exactly how to do that. But then to actually step through and document it and to, to have it all in a coherent package is, is pretty tricky. It is. So, so, uh, yeah, writing a book is, is good, but it's, it's a lot of work. Well, I'm looking forward personally to getting back into like a regular cycle and, uh, getting to check some of the stuff out again this is a kind of probably a shorter episode for us uh so if you're a regular listener thanks thanks for listening um one plea i guess i'll make we just signed up for a service that aggregates all of the itunes reviews across the world and uh there's it doesn't unfortunately show us how many stars there are like how many star reviews it's only the ones that actually took time to write something but if you have found this uh podcast to be helpful and you wouldn't mind spending a couple of minutes to write about it in your local itunes store uh, that'd be awesome well, thanks everybody for listening this week and we'll be back uh, in two weeks with another show. Sounds great. Have a great week, everybody. Hey, we'll see you later. Bye now. This concludes this episode of the Laravel News Podcast. If you like the show, please rate it five stars on iTunes. If you have feedback for the podcast, please email us at podcast at laravel-news.com. Thanks for listening.